Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Voorst, and I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church. Thanks for listening today. As always, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and also share it with others if you think it has been meaningful to you. If you'd like to contribute to the work of Life Church, please visit our website at lifechurchcanton.org/give. It helps us to continue to make Jesus known, to bring about healing in our community, and to participate in justice. This is episode 14 of Table Talk Thursday. We've been inviting some of the other staff that you don't normally hear from or see, but their work is incredibly important to making sure that Life Church Canton runs smoothly. We then spent the rest of this episode talking a bit about diversity, about justice, culture, assimilation, power dynamics. It was a lot. If there's other material you'd like to hear more about, don't hesitate to email me at jared.vanvorst at lifechurchcanton.org. I'll put my email in the show page because that's a long one to remember. But we'd like you to let us know because we'd like to continue to bring more content that may be of some help to your spiritual growth outside of the sermon, outside of Table Talk Thursdays, which is meant to be more of a life, uh, a live event with people's comments on Facebook, and even outside of the blog, which you can also find on our website if you click media on the top banner. We want to make sure that you have every bit of access to ways in which you can grow. But for right now, enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to Table Talk Thursdays. I am excited to be here with you, uh, myself, Pastor Jared, and Pastor Nathan, and this wonderful lady who is here. And if you can guess her name, well, you, you should know her name, but she is here with us, so we'll be digging into that. Just want to remind you, Table Talks Thursdays, we go live on Facebook every Thursday at 12 noon. All questions are welcome, questions about the most recent sermon, questions about life and theology in general. Uh, questions are due in to us on Tuesday evening, and if you are unable to get it to us by that time, we will uh, still take the question, and we'll keep it for our next uh, show. So we look forward to seeing you. Any and every live question that we can get to, we will try to get to even through this process, so do bear with us. I also want to uh, put some reminders on your uh, radar and some things for you to be remembering, and also a few announcements. First, I just want to remind you to keep praying for our church. Pray for true unity in Christ. I do want to remind you to keep praying for our nation, uh, for truth and grace to prevail in all things. Pray for those who have lost their employment, who have lost loved ones in this season. Pray for the at-risk populations, those on the front line, the healthcare professionals, and all essential employees. Also pray for the elderly. and Pray for those who... Uh, who are struggling in this season, uh, whether emotionally or physically or in any other way. We also are going to keep praying for the families of Ahmad Aubrey, Manuel Ellis, Douglas C. Lewis, Brianna Taylor, Sean Reed, Maurice Gordon, George Floyd, David McAtee, James Scarlick, uh, Sean Monterosa, Giovanni Lopez Ramirez, Dion Johnson, Justin Howell, Javier Ambler, Michael Ramos, and Nakia Crawford. If you're keeping count, that's 16 souls, 16 people. And so we pray for God's peace over their lives. 
All right. And do remember to keep reaching out to each other. I'm super blessed to be part of Life Church. I see how we love and care for each other. And I see how we're even having some hard conversations. I want to employ you and encourage you to not pull away from the table, but to continue to have those hard conversations. Because uh, without those conversations, we don't grow and we don't get to be who we are in Christ and really know each other and be united. And so keep having those conversations, dig in, press in, and make sure God's word is guiding those conversations. I want to also tell you about this um, uh, coming down the pike, hopefully, uh, mental health workshop, so to speak, uh, by our sister Lynn Jared. Uh, she sort of brought this idea, which is a great idea of us creating a space for anyone who is struggling with any uh, emotional or mental concerns uh, due to COVID-19 or just this season we're in. And so if you're a healthcare professional and you have the time and you have the heart to care and to, to love for people, um, we'd love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you if you could email me, uh, my first name dot my last name at lifechurchcanton.org uh, so that uh, we can sort of get a cohort of people who will be able to sit in that room and just love on people and just have a session to just pray together and talk together through our feelings and to care for each other. So if you're interested in that, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and we'll see if we can get that on uh, up and rolling. Also, a great opportunity specifically for my white brothers and sisters to learn more about racial justice, racial reconciliation, whatever term you want to use. I prefer to just call it justice uh, because the Bible is clear on justice. It's God's justice and what it means to be an African-American and a Caucasian in this country and just learning through the history of our nation through the book of uh, Color of Compromise, a book that you've probably heard us recommend multiple times. And so our sister Lisa Garvey, uh, Lisa, Laura Garvey and Lindsay Hufford, uh, that was a mixture of Lisa, uh, uh, Laura and Lindsay that I put together there, but our sisters Laura Garvey and Lindsay Hufford will be uh, facilitating this six-week book study on the color of compromise, which is going to be starting on Thursday, June 25th uh, at 7 p.m. So it's going to be Thursday, June 25th at 7 p.m. For more information, please reach out to uh, be the bridge at lifechurchcanton.org. So that's be the bridge at lifechurchcanton.org. Um, and we'll put that in the comment section just so you can have that as well. Be a great opportunity for you to learn more about the history of this nation and how it affects where we are now. Uh, and like I said, this is geared mostly towards our Caucasian brothers and sisters. So it's a great opportunity to ask those hard questions that you may be afraid or a little trepidatious that it might offend someone. This is a great opportunity to really have those hard conversations and good conversations. And it's a great prepper for the Be the Bridge uh, call course that will be happening in fall. So again, for, for more information, please reach out to uh, our sisters and they will love to connect with you at Be the Bridge at LifeChurchCanton.org. And then lastly, uh, Juneteenth, tomorrow is a great day that we're going to have a solemn celebration. I do want to encourage you to come. Uh, all people are welcomed. This is not just for black people or for people of color. This is a celebration to mourn and to celebrate with each other. And that's why we call it a solemn celebration. It's going to commemorate a great day in our history of our country. And we'd love for you to come and fellowship and worship and pray and sing and just have a good time together in God. And so it'd be great to have you there Juneteenth uh, tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. We'll be in the pavilion uh, and just want to welcome everybody to that process. It'll be a great time to learn again just more about our history and what God has done in our nation and what God is doing in our nation. Well, 
all that being said, it's time to check in with the pastors. Pastors, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, I know that there are some audio issues going. I'm not sure if that's from Daniel's internet connection, uh, as he's the host of it, or, or what's going on with Facebook. So I apologize. Hopefully we'll definitely have a better recording later. It usually fixes itself when it's passed. And uh, keep, keep on fighting through it. Um, and I just wanted to point out as well, if you are listening to this on our podcast later, everything that you want to know, um, if you want to fill out a Connect card or ask for more information, it's lifechurchcanton.org slash now. All of our announcements, all the things you just talked about. If you're like, wait, what? What's all this? There's a Connect card. It's called a Digital Connect. You click on that on the Now page, and you can put anything you want in there, and that will get to us. So just a reminder. Uh, I'm doing all right. It's sunny outside. Um, it's hot. I went for a run yesterday and about lost it. It was just so hot, but I love it. My goal is by the end of the summer to be sick of the heat um, so that I'm prepared for our Michigan winters. And I feel like I'm fully living into that right now. I'm grateful that Juneteenth is a little bit cooler than it was supposed to be. It's supposed to be like 95, 96 degrees when we started, but it's going to be cooler than that. We'll hopefully have some water for you. Just a reminder to, to be safe and that we have an FM transmitter. So if you show up and want to stay in your air-conditioned car, you're more than welcome to do that as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving it. You know, I heard some news that we might be going back in person um, in, in the fall for schools. And for me, with little kids in elementary school, that gives me a little hope. That's a big deal for me. Um, the idea of, of homeschooling uh, uh, when I just have one kid in school but soon to have two and then eventually three in elementary makes me um, want to curl up in a ball and cry. So uh, <laughs> it would be a blessing of learning patience. But, you know, I think uh, there's some things that are pointing towards hopeful stuff, and, and uh, I, I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to be hopeful right now. Amen to that. Uh, we have some very observant people because the very first thing that they said when they came on is, wow, I didn't realize we were all supposed to wear cross equals love, but that's two of us. So 50% isn't that big of a percentage, I don't think, in my mind. I didn't call Nathan. He didn't call me. It just happened to be. So, and uh, fun fact, I was 10 seconds away from wearing my blue cross equals hey, love shirt. <laughs> while we're talking, you can run and grab it if you want to. Show them the shirt that you are wearing, though. Stand up a little bit. It's like a bunch of superhero saints uh, surrounded by Jesus, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. And so, Jesus yep. is telling them about how he saved the world. Yeah. So <laughs> it's basically in line. I'm sure Sue has some cross equals love swag nearby, but um, it is a good, simple message. And, um, you know, given everything that we've talked about, to come, to, to, to come back to the simplicity of this, of this graphic, of this mm. message um, mm. that is world changing is uh, sometimes all you can lean on. Um, it, actually, it is always the thing. That it you is all, always yeah, amen to that. But some days more than other, you, you, you feel that. And so but our, our family is great and, and uh, just loving the summer, loving being out of school. But as Nathan said, hoping that we can get back to school. And I know Sue, and she may even talk about this a little bit, she's in a very different stage of life with all her kids out of the house and out of that elementary stage. And so she's going through a different set of emotions, I'm sure. But Doing well, and uh, excited to be with you all today. Amen. Well, we are here with Sue Allen. How are you? Doing well. Glad yes. to be here. Sweet, sweet. Well, Pastor Nathan, you want to go ahead? 
Yeah, absolutely. We've been having different staff members on here, and, and um, we got to hear from your lovely husband uh, recently, who was just absolutely thrilled to be um, in quarantine with you and was <laughs> just fully – and, I, you know, it can sound like um, he's not being genuine or he's just making a joke, but this that is a truth for him. It is a deep truth. He, he felt blessed to be with you. Um, you have opened your home. Um, to mm. to many of us, not just to eat, but for some of us to live with you. Um, but you also have been at the church um, from the beginning, and and uh, took a break, came back from you know just to go to China and do crazy stuff over there. There's so much about you, but you actually also are a key component of our staff, and so we're excited to hear from you and all of of um, the things that are on your mind and processing. But I think this is so crucial when we have conversations with people. We ask this question because this is a, a more unique season than I've ever experienced in my life. How are you doing in the midst of this? Well, um, uh, right now I'm, I'm doing well. Um, it, it's been a journey the last few months for sure. Um, when, when this whole um, COVID situation hit, I when I started hearing about it, I thought, well, that's not real. That, I mean, it's not going to be real for me. It's, it's far away. Um, just like, uh, maybe SARS or some of the other, um, illnesses that, that hit the Asian countries. It didn't really affect us, uh, here in the United States, but, um, I was just a skeptic and then it just began to unfold and quickly unfold. And, um, you know, I, not having uh, children at home, you know, our focus right now for Rich and I is our work and our ministry and our relationships. Um, and, and so as we began to decide to, you know, close the offices, close the church, and then all of a sudden things began to get canceled, and which meant that um, any future visits with our children um, began to go by the wayside, and we we just had um, uh, we just had a, a grandchild born in January, our very first grandchild, um, living in in Orlando, Florida, and so we were able to get our first visit in with that child in January or February, and uh, so thrilling, but uh, then. We were stuck at home, and um, I think the grief really started to, to kick in for me, and I, I just had a bit of a, a dark, just sad time as week after week went on, um, and, uh, you know, I children spread around the country, not being able to, to see them as we had planned. Um, and not knowing when that would all come to an end. So I, I really did struggle a bit uh, for weeks there. And um, then Jarrett, you know, just kind of pointed out, hey, you know, we're, you know, there's different types of grief and, and we're struggling through this. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what, what uh, I had been through. But we did manage to get a, a drive to North Carolina in where our daughter and family drove up. We were able to see our grandbaby, and uh, it was a balm to my soul. It was exactly what I needed and an unexpected gift um, from the Lord. I truly believe that. 
and I just feel that my spirit is coming alive again now as I'm able to gather with a couple of uh, in-person gatherings with my small group and able to see my folks um, after six months, my elderly parents. Um, it had been six months since I had seen them. So um, we did get to see them. And, and again, that was just a, a thrill. And I, I just feel like, ah, oh, I'm coming alive again. <laughs> so what, um, I mean, so much of our faith is built on this idea of being together and having community. Um, and those, I'll use your words, that that can be a balm to your soul as well. But being in isolation, uh, how have you maintained a sense of uh, rhythmic encouragement, ongoing spiritual discipline, whatever it is that, um, that you call it, uh, that has helped you to sustain your faith and even to, to grow in your faith in this time? Um, well, you know that um, I'm married to Rich Allen, and he is um, certainly the uh, most faith-filled, um, positive person that I know. And um, so I found that um, when I did was going through this uh, time of grief, that uh, his encouragement certainly um, was a big help to me. Um, his his faith that um, reminding me God is in this. He knows exactly what he's doing. There's a plan. There's a purpose. Um, just maintaining my regular rhythms, Bible study. Um, my uh, morning devotion, um, prayer time, first thing in the morning before I get out of bed usually. Um, and then just connecting weekly with my small group. We, we decided we were going to continue to meet. We met on Zoom. Uh, we pray for one another. We have regular mm -hmm. texts where we're um, letting each other know what's going on. We're praying for one another. Um, we did a study on Psalm 23. Mm. It's one of my favorites. It's something I had uh, memorized many years ago. And it just really seemed to come alive during this season. Amen. In a, in a fresh and new way. And I, I just love that. And, you know, just um, that community, staying in touch with people by phone. People, even people I haven't talked to in years, I just pick up the phone and I call them and reconnect and just be refreshed in that way. Um and, and, no, and to know that other people were praying uh, for me as well. That's really good. I mean, that, thanks for sharing that. I, fun fact, I, I, I memorized uh, the Lord's Prayer in uh, English, Yoruba, and at some point in Hebrew. Don't test me on the Hebrew anymore. Uh, but it's such a great prayer to the soul uh, that the Lord is our shepherd. And, um, you know, part of God being our shepherd is that he's given us different gifts. The Bible talks about how, um, you know, the body has many members and we rarely see some members and those members in many ways tend to keep things running. And so in light of that, I, one of the things I love about this segment is that we get a chance to see uh, the other parts of the body and the work that they do and how it uh, makes the machine that's called church continue to roll. So in, in the spirit of that, tell us about you and what you do at Life Church. Um, it's probably an easier list to say what you don't do than it is to say what you do do, but tell us about that. Uh, so I've been in my role as church administrator uh, since 2016, and uh, that position, that part-time position was created when um, Mike Rice uh, stepped up to be the interim lead 
pastor after Alex Reha left and then created a um, kind of a hole in terms of covering some responsibilities that he would normally cover. Uh, so that's how the position came about. Um, when, I, when I think about all that I do, I don't know how he was able to do that and teach and preach and, and all the things, but um, it's such a blessing. I mean, I was home with my kids uh, for over 20 years as a stay-at-home mom with our five kids and um, just loved that. was so thankful I was able to do that but was kind of looking toward my next season in life and had been thinking for a couple of years about the timing and maybe going back to work and what I should do and really had no desire to go back into the corporate world. Mm. Um, and so when this came up, I just thought, oh my goodness, this could just be a really great fit for me. And um, it certainly was um, a great fit for me. And so um, I, I consider my role kind of, you know, of course it's in, in the background, kind of a, a hidden role, but I do um, consider it a ministry. Uh, it's a ministry of service. And um, my, so I serve uh, the staff, okay? Um, mm -hmm. Making sure that um, they're, they have what they need to do their role in the best that they can. So I'm just taking care of behind the scenes, any HR responsibilities, um, supplies, making sure that everything in the office is running well. They're, you know, do they have their computers? Is the copier running? Um, their phones and things like that. Um, of course, making sure that all of the financial issues are taken care of, the bills are paid. Um, uh, is there any negotiation in terms of um, fixing the bills and making mm. sure that, that we're not paying more than yeah. we need to, um, advocating for Life Church, um, also taking care of the, the facility. Uh, facility management is a big part of, of what I do in both buildings. And so whether there's maintenance or managing the cleaning team, which is awesome, um, and working with contractors anytime there's a repair that needs to be made or contract that needs to be removed. Um, there are probably at least a dozen different contractors that I work with with regards to the building. And um, starting to get a relationship with some of these people. <laughs> the roof repair guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, also just, you know, taking bids, negotiating contracts, uh, working with our treasurer on the budgets and our, our bookkeeper and payroll and taxes. And um, I just absolutely love what I do. I just am a detail person. Um, I'm the type of person that manage, manages my checkbook to the penny, right? You know, so <laughs> I'm scrutinizing every bill, making sure that, that we're a good steward of the money that is, is given to Life Church and trusted to us. Uh, finding ways that we can save money, um, just kind of like a mother hen, just making sure that everybody's taken care of. Thank you. Wonderful. Talk talk to us a little bit about um, some of the passions that you have. Um, you know, I think you're you're extremely passionate uh, about. You're a one on the enneagram, so you like things being done right, and you're in the absolute correct position for things to be done right and to keep us as good stewards. But you also fight for how to save money and, and the mission has always been on your mind. Like it, it's not just about, 
making sure things fit, but it's part of your passion and vision and mission of the church. You believe that this is the part of that you play. And not only that, you have passion and vision for uh, other kinds of ministries as well uh, with women um, and, and so forth. Tell us just a little bit about that or, or any of the other um, departments that you are passionate or involved in. Yeah, so I've actually been involved in women's ministry for as long as I can remember. Um, and um, mainly, I think when in the early days of Life Church, um, before we went to China in 2007, we had a couple of different large um, gatherings or um, events each year, and I would be uh, involved in planning those events. So we would have a women's uh, retreat and then a big spring um, connection event. And so planning events has been, um, I guess that fits into my skill set and passion. Um, the details of planning events, um, just working on a team and um, just seeing the joy. I mean, when, when the event finally gets there and it all comes together, I just am so energized by the love and the ministry and the message and everything that's taking place um, during that event. So I currently serve on a team, I think there are about 10 of us on the women's uh, Life Women Leadership Team. Um, I um, co-lead a weekly women's uh, Bible study. I've been doing that for quite a number of years as well. So women is one of my passions, um, growing, the Lord in Bible study and uh, also love to work with the babies in the nursery on Sunday. I miss those little guys so much. <laughs> um, gives me my baby fix. And I uh, also, one of my passions that I shared with my husband is uh, for marriage. And we've done varying yeah. uh, things in with regards to pre-marriage and marriage ministry. Um, and we've done quite a number of couples in terms of counseling them uh, before they get married. So I, I like to serve alongside Rich in that ministry as well. And just supporting him. Um, he's my husband, he's a pastor at Life Church. And when he asked me to join him, to support him in any way, I'm always happy to do that because we really enjoy working together. Yeah, you've been such an encouragement to me and to my family, but to the church as well. We're just so grateful for you and all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Sue, I'm curious, um, and not just for your sake and our sake to hear this, but also for the people that are listening or may maybe will listen later on, because I think sometimes they can look to people who they trust and respect and see how they weathered storms and came mm -hmm. out the other end. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm curious what, what have you found to be really challenging actually in this season and how have you sort of worked through it um, that might be an encouragement to somebody else who's listening? Yeah, so just um, the, just the challenge of, of being, um, you know, uh, quarantined, um, stuck inside, what have you, and the, the grief that set in. I think just sharing that with people um, because I, they're all going through um, something emotional. Um, it's such a, a different time in our lives and um, you know just really trying to hear from the Lord what is he trying to teach me uh, during this time um, taking away a lot of my busyness and making me sit and think a lot 
and listen more than I would normally do. Um, but I think, you know, the challenge really has been, gosh, I, I love to serve people. My, one of my love languages is acts of service, one of my top ones. And, and so being absent from the people that I love to serve, um, not really, honestly, not really enjoying working at home because I miss the ener energizing atmosphere of being together in the office staying in touch with each other's lives, the buzz of doing work together. Um, and, you know, that, that's been a challenge. And, and I, I don't know what the future holds in terms of us getting back together, but I sure look forward to that, um, that time and, and just um, gathering together to worship. Really, it's, it's so different doing it online. And I so miss uh, gathering together. So I just have to keep, um, keep the hope that we will be gathering together and to take advantage of the opportunities that we have now uh, to gather in person as a small group, to gather for prayer gatherings and for the Juneteenth, to move, to do baby steps, to move forward in those directions. Amen, amen. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us, too? Any Anything on your heart that God has placed there? Um, I know that I've talked to a few people in my uh, partner care conversations that uh, one of them has happened to be part of your Bible study, and she's just mentioned how encouraging it is um, to have been part of that. And uh, she had to go to Arizona to take care of her mom at some point and all that good stuff, but missed that fellowship. So thanks for keeping that. But is there anything that you would have learned from that process that you'd love to impart on our hearers? Um, well, I, I just I try to focus on gratitude um, and just to be thankful for, gosh, thankful for my, my role at Life Church. It truly is a gift and um, for our team. Mm. And I, I've, I've just seen God do an amazing work of um, bringing out these creative ways of, I, I just kudos to, to you all and your leadership um, and all the creative ways that you have worked so hard to make ministry continue and to happen at Life Church. And uh, it's just a joy to be a part of that behind the scenes. Um, but just to know that, you know, God is faithful and that he has a purpose for this. We don't know what it is right now, um, but he's working. He's sovereign. I truly believe that. And um, I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. And we're thankful to have you. We are thankful that we've had a chance to hear from you. It's been a joy. I mean, when you started rattling off all the stuff you did, I was like, okay, thank God that you have the spirit of the God in you because that's a lot going on, but we thank God. And then you said, and you, you had the nerve to say you enjoy it. So that's just a joy to see that. Thank you for being who you are. Uh, we're super thankful for you. And thanks for coming yeah. by. Brothers, you got any parting words for our sister? Yeah, just thank no, you. No, just too. thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for everything you do. It was great having you on. So welcome. Glad to be here. All right, man. Well, we will see you soon.
cool beans. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, uh, before we actually move into the question or our regularly scheduled programming, as it were, um, I do want to remind people that coming up soon, uh, July 18th, will be the men's breakfast. Um, it's going to be a great time to fellowship. We had over 70 some odd or maybe 65 men show up for our Zoom conference call a, a couple months ago by now, it seems. Yeah. And so it'll be great. We're going to have Harry J. Will Funeral Home. Um, our brother Kevin uh, Bullock is, is sponsoring that, and that's going to be great. So, uh, in other words, you heard free food. Um, I just want you to know that. So, because uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it would be disrespectful to not eat as much as you can because our brother is sponsoring that. So, that's, we're doing it for him is what we're saying. Yeah. So, so, we thank him for that. So, um, all right, well, great. Well, let's move on into our questions. I think the first one's for me, and uh, it's from Julie Odino, one of our top comment commenters right up there with Jan, yeah, yeah. Uh, with questions, great questions, questions from the sermon. And, um, you know, it feels like it was a while ago, man. So much has happened on Sunday. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the sermon, I was uh, really excited about how we were able to do some kind of unique things and, and, and talk about this in a balanced way. But one of the things that I stated very clearly uh, was there can be no diversity without justice. Uh, I had talked about how the apostle, the job is to drive the church forward, and about how, man, it is so important that we move into new things to experience more of who God is. And that's what I labeled the work we've been doing towards diversity. I'm going to explain that, explain that in just a moment. And then I talked about the prophet, and Apest is apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and, and how the second voice I talked to was the prophetic. And the prophetic voice calls for repentance. The prophetic voice calls uh, for us to stand with the oppressed. And, and the main point of the sermon wasn't just about um, the racial unrest that's going on, but it was about how all five voices balance each other out and make sure that we're continuing to follow after the way Jesus would want the church to be run. So I made a comment um, with Prophet that it's about justice. So you have the apostle is about wants to see diversity, and then the prophet wants to see justice. And near the end of the message, I basically said, L listen, we like the idea of diversity, but there can be no diversity without justice. So let me unpack that. When I say diversity, what I mean is that in Romans we see at the end of time, uh, well, the end of this age, and starting of, of this new um, kingdom with God being the center, that we're going to worship God with every tongue, every tribe, every nation. It's very clearly saying there that there is going to be this multitude of expression of the worship for God. So then that, I made the comment, well, it's not going to be just white people. Um, mm. And if it, was, it probably wouldn't be the default. English wouldn't be the default. I don't know if it would be Hebrew. I don't <laughs> know. It doesn't matter. We're going to be speaking in different languages. We're gonna tongues be, of angels. Oh, I said Romans. I meant Revelations. Thank you. Um, and Revelations, where we're going. You know, we're going to be singing in all this. And, and mm. that sounds so cool, doesn't it? Mm. Wouldn't that be amazing someday to, to watch that all happen? And because God's in it, it's not that they're cacophony of things working against each other, but it's this wonderful symphony. Like, if you want to get excited and, and you're feeling a little frustrated, just think about what could be. Mm. But here's the deal. We can have part of that now. And what I mean is, is that we have different cultures in Canton, but even in America, just American cultures that are in it, that are there, that we're surrounded by. And yet we've been running the church mostly from one culture, from one way of thinking. And wouldn't it be wonderful? 
wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be God honoring? Wouldn't worshiping God be even better, not just for us, but for God, that, that we would be unified together and have these different expressions? So we've been working on that for ever since before I got here. But when I got here, you know, immediately started to seek out having different voices on the team. And that's why Jared and Daniel are here. They, they have different voices, you know, the shepherd and the teacher voice, but also they have different, their different, you know, ethnic backgrounds and experiences. So there's, there's an intentionality to diversity, intentionality in what we're seeking out in that. And all that sounds really great, right? I mean, that sounds wonderful. And we should pursue it. But I said that if justice it doesn't happen, we can't have that kind of diversity. So what do I mean by justice? When there is wrongs that are continually be done to a certain group of people, and they are never addressed and rectified. In fact, if they continue to happen, then that's not just, that is not, what, fair, right? But it's even bigger. See, justice is part of the character of God, right, and wrong. And part of us, our job, is to bring justice to earth, not like in a crusade kind of way, but in the way that we love and what we fight for and who we stand with. And I, I know that um, Jared responded really well to the Facebook comment on Sunday, and I'll let him speak in just a moment. But here, here's my thought on it. We can't have diversity if there are people in the room that are less than. And if justice is continuing to be, to put them in a place of less than, uh, if, if, if the world is putting people in a place of less than, then we have to rectify that situation to the best of our ability. It, there's a power dynamic. To have someone who has more power, there's not true diversity there. It's, it's a cheap diversity. It's, it's, they're in the room. Like there's people who will look different in the room, but we're still doing everything as if it's a white culture and we're the only voice that matters. We're the only voice that matters. They have to have justice and, and do that. The other side of it is it's the idea of the image of God. We're all made in the image of God. Um, without justice, too, people don't feel secure. They don't feel safe. They don't feel like they belong. And we're still fighting that to the best of our abilities, continuing to try to create a place where any culture that comes here belongs. We have a long way to go in so many ways. But when there is a power difference, um, that's not what God is, is looking for. And so if there's no justice, you know, you know there's, there's a power problem. We're not seen as equals. And uh, having justice for our brothers and sisters or for anyone helps us um, be balanced in our relationships. And so I think it's you know, better in my head sometimes than when I talk it out. But the idea is if there is an imbalance between people, you can't have true diversity. Let's just take it back to that singing analogy. Let's take it back to that singing analogy. If all of the um, altos, if there's 40 altos and one soprano, how loud does that soprano have to be to ever be heard? If there is imbalance in our voices, are we really getting the full experience? And um, if you were to say justice is when there's a power differential, it's that one voice is way stronger and more powerful and has more say and has the first say than others. So if we don't pursue justice, if we don't pursue equality, and if we don't pursue uh, reconciliation or conciliation or repairing things, if we don't serve that, then those people are not going to have the voice that they're supposed to have. They are not going to feel like they belong, which means their voice will be harder to hear because they just, they're not giving it and they don't feel secure and they may not be experiencing God the same way. And then we, on the third, continue to believe that the, the voice that we've been singing, the singular voice that we've been singing for years is the best and the right and the godly one. 
And so I, I, uh, I'd love to hear from you, brothers, because I think you'll be able to clarify a little bit of what I was speaking about there. Yeah, I was, uh, I was paying attention. I was looking on my phone to try and find exactly what I had said to the comment. Um, and I think I may have found it. So I'm going to read it. And then um, if, if I need to unpack it, I will. Um, I, I, this is what I said. I said, diversity without justice means one group of people is the majority and defines culture while everyone else assimilates to majority culture. But if assimilation doesn't happen, then injustices will inevitably happen and have happened and continue to happen. True diversity celebrates difference and no one culture is then the majority culture. There's no power struggle and no injustice. Christ becomes the central power. And then I would also just add, we assimilate to Christ essentially into his way of being. And um, that's actually just a little bit of a teaser into what Daniel's, uh, or sorry, somebody is going to be preaching about this weekend. Um, uh-huh. But also, I would just say <laughs> that was not a good save. That was not a good save. Not even close. Yeah, you just made it more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought about this too. There, there are certain things that happened even in the first few centuries, where um, people, people in power, were beginning to abdicate yeah. their power. They were beginning to sacrifice their power, their wealth. Um, for the sake of uh, joining in solidarity with the community that followed Jesus. Um, You can even see that in Acts 2 and in Acts 4, um, people joining toward the cause. And so I think last year, actually, we did a series on Daniel. And and, I mean, it was primarily on fear, but uh, Nathan, you did a sermon about uh, assimilation with Shadrach, Meshach, Mm. and Abednego, right? Uh, That they were just told to assimilate to the culture, Mm. uh, the Babylonian culture. Um, but they they were countercultural, and and chose not to do that because assimilation is not the goal. Um, yeah. And I, I think you, if I remember correctly, you even began to just slightly unpack diversity as well. But uh, those are just some of the things that I would I would say about that. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think um, I think the the thing that I that sort of stands out in the conversation. I think those definitions were. Well, obviously, you said it, Nathan, so your definition has to hold, um, and I love what Jared said, and I think what was also interesting was that uh, I think our brother TJ and a few other people also chimed in online, and we're sort of feeling the heartbeat of that, and I'm so thankful for those moments where you don't have to unpack as much as you, you think you might have to, right? And so um, so it's very good, so it's very good, but the, the thing that I was also, that just stood out to me is I have not met... Um, a God-fearing Christian who is white ever, ever bemoan uh, being multi-ethnic. I've never seen, I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody bemoan the fact that, oh, I'd love, it'd be great if our church is multi-ethnic and multi-racial and all that good stuff. I, I think people love that generally. I think where the rubber doesn't fully meet the road is the assumption there is that those groups that are other will come in and be like us. And then that's going to be great. And that's always where the problem is, right? And as we as a staff are walking through color of compromise, one of the things that we keep remembering or being reminded of is that for the longest and even now, Christianity is synonymous with being European or being of European descent or being white. And so often that clouds how you perceive true Christianity and how much you can really have diversity, true diversity. And so I think it's very important as we think about that to deconstruct some of the way that we've perceived Christianity. Yeah. Um, like today, one of our brothers 
um, David Garvey posted on his Facebook page, and it was so great to see. But there was these um, um, actors, African-American actors or people of color who were playing these biblical figures. Um, and what was very interesting to me is naturally I had an aversion to it. And I didn't, even me who know better, right, who, and he said similar too, but as a black man who studied these things, who know what it is, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, why are they making Jesus brown? Wait, why is Joseph, oh, that's because he was. And so not, it wasn't like a, a real cognitive, um, uh, uh, conscious discussion in my brain, but it was just like, I had an initial visceral reaction to, hey, this is not what it's supposed to be. Oh, but it actually is. So it's, it's interesting how the construct doesn't just affect our brothers and sisters who are white, but it also affects those of us who are of color, how we've perceived ourselves. And there was a statement that was made a couple of months ago by um, uh, a, a, an artist. Um, and he says, if we can control who you look up to, then we can control who you look down to. And that was very interesting, right? If Jesus is white in this sort of non-biblical, uh, what's the name of Jesus, then it affects how we can truly have diversity. So justice might even start in redeeming the very person of Christ, to not be this tribal Christ, but to be this universal, over and above tribe Christ, a Christ who loves all human beings, because all human beings are made in the image of God. And I don't know if that hits at the heart of what you're talking about, Nathan, but I just feel like even when we think of yeah. diversity, let's not even just think about policies and stuff. Let's think about redeeming and reclaiming the truth of the Bible of who God is, not a tribal God, but a, a sort of, you know, a God who is sovereign yeah. by himself. Yeah, let me let me kind of say it this way, just for the clarity again, because I feel like I was working through it as I was talking, which I apologize. But when I say diversity, I'm talking about the positive kingdom attributes mm, mm. of what we get to experience in the presence of God as God binds together groups that shouldn't be bound together except because of God. Mm. I'm saying diversity would be beautiful. So diversity, I, I would say, okay, let's pretend, I don't even know what it would be like, but let's pretend that we had an entire contingent of people that settled in America that were from Africa but kept all of their culture and all of who they were. They didn't mm. get brought over here as slaves, okay? Mm. And then you had the white people here too. And somehow we didn't enslave each other. Okay, so <laughs> big, big if, right? Because in other countries in the world that didn't happen either. I mean, it's just bad, but let's just pretend that. When I say diversity, I say we should worship together and keep our uniqueness and uh, become revelations. That's what I mean mm. when I say diversity. Now that feels like pie in the sky, oh, wouldn't that be great? And I do think there's diversity in the now, but that we learn from each other. What if you took a diversity as completely positive? Like, just take it this way. What if there was more for you to experience of the glory of God that you aren't because we don't have a church that's truly diverse yet? I, I would even remove the what if, brother. I mean, that's I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> that's what I'm we're tracking. called to do. Yeah, I'm cracking. Yeah, but, but, what are we so missing is what we're start saying. To, yeah, start looking at how good that could be and mm. keep thinking about how good that could be. Like, I would say the black churches – and you know, a lot of words with that, but black church's understanding of suffering of mm. Moses is completely, it's so beautiful. And I never was exposed to those kinds of teachings until mm. I started to interact with people in the black church. Now we could talk about whether it's good to have a black church, white church. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what are the, what are the beauty? That's what I mean. Diversity. I mean, beauty. 
But there is a massive problem in the way of ever having that, and that's justice. Yeah. Justice must be done, and and we need to. And that's the hard work. So if you want the good thing, which is what I call just beautiful diversity, worship of God, mm-hmm. leadership yeah. of God, like it's we need we need discipleship from a, from a perspective of of all people of color, right? All people of color as much as we possibly can. But there is a massive problem of justice. And so until justice is addressed, true diversity cannot happen because we are not the same in the eyes of God according to society and the things that are going on. And so our voices have power. So they do get kind of like messy, don't they? It's not clean. Mm. It's not as clean as I'm making it seem. But we've got to hold both. There is a, an evil that has to be destroyed, right? And there is a good that has to be lived into. And that's what I mean when I, I'm saying justice and diversity. Would you guys, would you brothers say that, and this is sort of off, off, uh, off uh, script here, but would you brothers say that uh, any, a proper and maybe even a casual reading of the Bible would lead you to diversity in the body? Would you say that? Oh, wait, Jared, do you want to go or do you want me to go? <laughs> Uh, and let me know if I if I if it's clear what I said. Um, a casual reading. Well, I, I said so. I said a proper. Well, I said a, a proper, proper. But then I want to say, but even let's, but let's not because when people say proper, they may assume that I mean that you've got to have degrees, you've got to know the languages. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that a basic reading of the Bible, if you're being faithful to what you're reading, and not assuming anything, just read it. If you follow the theme of the Bible, let's just even narrow it down to the New Testament. Do you walk away with the understanding that God is calling a diverse church? Or do you walk away saying that God is calling a homogenous church? See, it's, it's hard to answer. And we talk about this. I'm, I don't mean for this to be a cop-out, but even you say, um, do you think like who, so who is the you in that question? Is it, is it me? Is it a white mm, male? Mm. Is it a white female? Is it a black male or female? Is it a Hispanic? You know, like who, who's answering that question? Handsome Jared. How about that? Just handsome Jared. Handsome Jared? Yes. Oh, handsome yeah. Jared. How much time do we have? Um, <laughs> for that, for the handsomest part <laughs> of it? No, I'm just saying yeah. like, like, do you, because the, the reason I'm asking the question, maybe this helps flesh yeah. out the question more yeah. is, there might be a notion that the sort of recent maybe resurgence or surgeons, let's just say resurgence because it hadn't re in anything, right? The recent surgence or increase in discussions about diversity and, yeah. uh, and race and multiplicity and race seems to be foreign to many people, could be. Sure. And they might see it as a new phase of the church or a new fad or a new custom. Right. And my, my, my question is, uh, and this sort of goes to the preacher who's preaching this weekend's conversation about just going back to God's word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is as we read through God, could you read God's word faithfully yeah. and sincerely, being intellectually honest, yeah. and walk away saying that, no, God has called us to be a white church, black church, or a Puerto Rican church? Or do you walk away saying, no, he has created a diverse group of people. That, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's why I do what I do, because I do believe that um, about the scriptures. It's why I wanted to be at Life Church Canton, because we as a church are pursuing that. Um, and so, yes, I, and I would even add another um, adjective. So you said proper, right understanding. 
um, sometimes I like the word responsible. Um, mm, okay. A, a, a responsible reading, a faithful reading, uh, all of those adjectives could work. But um, yes, absolutely, I believe that we should be able to come away and see that God has in mind a multi, multi-ethnic community. And partly because um, that's who wrote it, right? Like white people didn't mm. write the Bible um, and right, white people didn't start the church. So, so um, if you're able to uh, become aware of your cultural and even ethnic lenses through which you read the scriptures, um, be aware of those and acknowledge them for what they are, then yeah, I think you can have a responsible, faithful reading of the text and come away with that. I Unfortunately, um, people have come away reading responsibly in their minds mm. to, to be able to put people of other color in chains and steal them from mm. land and put them on ships and take them mm. to another country and subject, subject. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Yeah. And mm. used, used the Bible to do that. Mm. Um, yeah. And felt, and we're talking about this, right, as a staff in Color of Compromise, that that they walked away feeling like this is what we were called to, like this is what the Bible says. We're just, mm-hmm. this is the faithful reading of the text. And so we're just doing that. And actually look at us and how moral we are, how mm-hmm. godly we are because of the fact that we are actually um, utilizing God's word to carry out his purposes in our mm-hmm. world. That's a scary mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd say <clears throat> I agree with what you're saying. I take a step back. The promise to Abraham and the of mm. all, all nations, the whole world will be blessed through you and yours wasn't so that you would all look like each other and mm. then revelations. But we'll draw it back. I will say this. <clears throat> It'd be very hard for you to do a good job of reading Acts and not realize how much race matters. So the Holy Spirit has come. The church has started. Ooh, everyone loves the Acts church, right? Mm. Let's be like an Acts church. We should be an Acts model church, really? Mm. Okay, then let's look at the very first problem the church had. It was a race problem. Mm. It's just be- I can't unpack it here. It's huge. Just the mm. passages in, in, in uh, Acts 6, and there was the Hellenistic widows, which means Greek yeah. widows. So Greek Jews, Greek Christians versus the Jewish Christians, the, the yeah. Hebrews. Right. Yeah. So these are yeah. this race. This is a race yeah. thing. It could come down to very different skin color. They were being overlooked in care. They were being overlooked in the distribution of food. They were not being. This is churches, people. This is people with the Holy Spirit. And mm. it was such a problem. Um, it's just this. I can't even unpack all of this. So mm. what did they do? What did they do? It, it, I could I could take it. I wrote a paper for my doctorate on it. So it's, it's, of course, I have no way too much. But the beautiful thing is how the church responded was this. They said, okay, we made a mistake. I'm going to fix the mistake, and we're going we're gonna to start feeding the, the, the Greek widows better. No. You know what they did? They said, we made a mistake. We must be unified in this. They appointed Greek leaders to take over not just the distribution of food for the Greek widows, but all the distribution of food. Yeah. And that main person who they chose was Stephen. Stephen, who then started the spread of the gospel by leaving and died, and he died at the feet of Paul, who st- mm. was there stoning him. So you, boom, 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 boom. Biggest problem was race. And from that really God-honoring response, the word of God spread to the whole entire world because all of the Jewish people who followed Jesus and walked with him, they kept staying in Jerusalem. They stayed there. 
the first, and then it took them giving up power to a different race and trusting them with this power for it to explode into the world. So when I look at these things, when you start to pursue righteousness, justice, what was fair and right and good, and then you give people the influence to do this, this was affirmative action. Like this is, you don't need to look any farther than the first problem in the church is race. Mm. And when they got it right, when they got it right, the church exploded outside of its walls. And so when I help people, we feel like we're trying to fight something or, or everything's bad or whatever. No, no, no. This is the opportunity for the spirit of God to move. Um, you know, I, I, whew, man, I could go on and on about what happened there in that, that verse. But yeah, I would just say that um, I don't think racism is going to be something that we don't always deal with. And it may look different, but because we're people who can say about our turf and our power and our, our, um, and I'm speaking as a white person at the moment, um, we're concerned with that. And if anything threatens that, it can't be biblical. And the disciples could have been threatened by this. Instead, they empowered people. And I want to do the same. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot in there, brother, that I wish we had time to unpack. I mean, one, one of the implications is one that racism has always been part of the church's history, even before the American church, right? So you could talk about Paul confronting Peter, right? All that stuff is in there. That's one. The second implication that I think is grander is that racism was about to stop the explosion of the church. That's, 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 that's what you're saying at this point, right? Because if they had stopped yeah. there, if they had disintegrated, dis, dis, disintegrated in that moment, the apostle says this issue is keeping us from the word of God and the spreading of the gospel. They literally say that. That's Acts chapter 6. For all you Berean Christians out there, I love you folks. Go ahead and read that. Like That's the word of God. The other thing, though, I thought that's interesting, brother, is that if the first major problem in the church was race, the first thing, it's interesting that the very first thing, though, that the Spirit of God does was to unify. Did you, did you, in Acts chapter yeah. 2, but, but notice how he does that, though, right? He gives, them, he gives them unity in language, but he doesn't remove the language of each other. He brings those languages together in harmony in a way that they can understand it. We call that speaking in tongues. But if you look at the basic understanding of it, is that the Greeks' language didn't change, the barbarian language didn't change, the Judean language didn't change, but they were finally able to get on the same page in one accord. That's very interesting that God didn't say, oh, what, what you have to do now is look Jewish. You know, even Acts 15 talks about that, right? No, you, you don't have to become Jewish or you don't have to become Greek. You no, know, you are who you are, but please understand that I made you diverse and now let me unify you in my spirit. So I, I think there's a lot of implications to unpack in there at some point in the future. Maybe we do a series through Acts at some point in our life. It might be great, actually, because um, I, I just think that um, for everybody who's listening, our faithful listeners, I would say my urging to you. Uh, and to anybody who is in your sphere, is in your dialogues, in your conversations, let's go back to God's word about what his word has to say. Because not just do they have explicit commands, but there are implicit commands in there that also uh, sort of the spirit of the text, if you will, that help us to navigate this season. Because that's interesting, because I think we look at the problem we're having in the church now, and we think it's new. And there's nothing new under the sun. As the old man used to say, New news is old news happening to new people, and that's that's where it is. So, Jared, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I was gonna uh, 
you speaking about speaking in tongues um, jogged my memory about something interesting that I came across. It, so let's just assume and believe for a moment that the speaking in tongues is sort of a miraculous activity that takes place, right? I think it's important to pay attention to sometimes what God didn't choose to do in that moment. So God chose to empower the apostles to speak in different languages um, for the sake of, of the different ethnic groups that were in that community. Isn't it interesting that God didn't choose to allow them to continue to all speak one language, but mm. instead have his miracle be that the people from other different um, ethnic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, language barriers, he doesn't choose to sort of uh, change their understanding so that they can all hear the language that is already being spoken. Mm. That's the other way around. So God chooses to utilize the differences and and uh, work within that framework, not go the route of assimilation, which tells me if I'm doing my own interpretive work there, um, hermeneutics tell me that this is a God who celebrates the differences and there's actually mm. beauty. So it's not just diversity just for the fun of it, but actually there's, there's purpose and beauty and joy and unity in the differences. Mm, uh, mm, and mm. so so we have to move that direction because that reflects the heart of God. If we choose not to go in that direction, we chose not to reflect the heart of God. And there's serious implications there. Mm. Well, that is it that, for this, folks, brother. That, that's the last word. Um, we are going to either, like Joshua, um, choose to follow the Lord as for us in our household, or we're going to choose not to. And that's where it comes down, folks. Well, thanks for your time here, everybody. Um, want to remind you to June to come out to Juneteenth tomorrow at 6:30 p.m. Be a great solemn celebration of something that the Lord has done and He is doing in our midst. And so we'd love to see everybody from every walk of life. Let's Revelation 7 that thing, right? Let everybody for multitude of people come on down. Well, within reason. Um, <laughs> and so we're happy to have you guys and 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 thankful. <laughs> I was thinking so distancing <laughs> but we'd love to see everybody there brothers any final words no, sweet no, cool well god bless god speed and we are going to see you next week god willing um and hopefully facebook will be friendly to us then god bless